Amen. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 1 through 12. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire for your adversaries consume them. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, saints. Oh, excuse me, good afternoon. You know, it gets me every now and then. (laughs) As you know, the name of my sermon is called Divine Peace. Everybody say Divine Peace. We live in a broken world. Amen. We live in a broken world. We all know this way too well. Yesterday morning, I spent some time looking at the headlines of our biggest, our 10 most top circulated magazines. Here's what they said. Wall Street Journal. U.S. COVID-19 deaths surpassed 281,000. Stay-at-home orders extended in California. New York Times says, the elderly versus essential workers, who gets the vaccine first? Mm. L.A. Times says, stay-at-home order will be imposed in Southern California and San Juan Valley. California has broken the record for COVID-19 hospitalizations for seven consecutive days with 9,430 people having COVID and hospitalized, more than quadruple the number since October the 24th. The New York Post says that a jet executive was busted for sex trafficking and probing pedo- he was a probing pedophile. The Chicago Tribune says ex-state senator who pleaded guilty for political corruption dies of COVID-19. Man. We live in a broken world. 
we also know that that brokenness is not something that's foreign to us. It's not something that's just out there. The brokenness is a problem that's really close to home. Peace is sometimes elusive, even in our closest relationships. Some of y'all today, before you even stepped into service, were struggling to press in the community. You're saying, why am I even pressing in the community anyways? Why am I here? Some of you guys in here, before you stepped in here, was arguing with your spouse or your closest friend. Praise God, that was not me today. Yay, Caitlin. That was not us. It's, it's never really her. It's always me. <laughs> That's not us. Man, it's close to home. In our friendships, we long for peace. Our close relationships, we long for peace. In our families, we long for peace. Man, I've had some hard conversations with some of you guys recently about family brokenness. The place where, the place where, the signpost where Jesus Christ is King and Messiah over all is right where brokenness is. Right in our families. Man, we long for peace. And in our hearts sometimes we struggle with our own identity. Our hearts ask the questions. Did Jesus really die for me? Does Jesus really love me and my friends? I'm too big of a failure. I've done too much stuff. I've messed up too much. God could not love me. Nobody is stuck around. Nobody likes me. I'm not attractive enough. My body just doesn't work right. God, do you love the unattractive and broken? Should I keep going? About a couple months ago, my father went into the ICU. And one of my prayers was like, God, did you, do you hear my prayer? We almost lost him twice. Twice. We almost lost him. God, do you hear my prayer? It's been a month. He's been in the ICU by himself. He's asking you. He's praying to you. God, do you hear him? Some of y'all are praying really big prayers right now. I know it. I know it. Some of you guys are praying really big prayers. The spiritually seeking in this room and the faithful are praying really big prayers. Some seemingly unanswered and some answered. Oh, Lord, we long for peace. And while we're longing for peace, most of us are asking a question. Will God really bring peace? Will he bring peace? And when we look at this passage, thanks be to God that the answer to that question is an emphatic yes. Can we say yes? yes. God is saying yes to the answer. Will God give us peace? And here's how. And here's how. Let's look at the passage. 
verses 1 through 4 read like this. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Isaiah begins this song with God's strong city, which is anchored by none other than God. The strong city is the city of God. Oh, man, if some of y'all could just could just see what I, I'm seeing at the end of the sermon, I hope you see it. But the strong city is the city of God, where God's people and God's people and God dwell. God himself sets up this salvation like walls and defensive walls. Guys, I, look at the look at verse one again. <laughs> look at verse one. He sets up walls and bulwarks. I love this. It's like a double thing, like walls and then walls. <laughs> double walls. I love it. I love it. I had this, this thought in my head. If you are somebody who loves hoops, oh, man, it just made me think about this in a really interesting way this week. So I don't know if you guys know who Yao Ming is and if you know who Shaq is, but these brothers is big. Them dudes is big. It's like a dude with weak bounce. You know what bounce is? Like can't jump, like jump. You know what I'm saying? A dude with weak bounce is going to try to come through the lane and put the hammer on Yao Ming and Shaq at the same time. That's the kind of walls you have set up for you. Man, that's a strong wall. Man, if you're not a hooper, maybe this will make more sense to you. It's like the time in which you were a little kid. Imagine yourself as a little kid. And you go outside only to find out it's a cold day, only to find out that you're not really cold. Because your parents put on multiple layers Put on multiple layers and you look at or look around, and you're like, oh, yeah, I can play now. My son, my son is funny. My son is funny. Whenever he real, he walks around and he steps outside. If he's cold, he'll let you know. But if he's not cold or something like that, he'll go, yay, and start running around. Guys, that's the joy we can have in Jesus. Man, that's the joy we can have. And that's the strong city. That we have in Jesus. Verse 2 states the entrance qualifications, though. Sounds like a dope city to be in, right? Well protected. God is there with you. But how do you get in? And who gets in? Well, the answer to the first question is the righteous. Who are these righteous? Well, theologians agree. It is the universal people of God. And it can only mean those who are right with God or righteous. Okay, For much of the rest of the chapter explains this, right? You cannot 
entering God's righteous city on your own merits. And we know this if we just like skip a couple pages and go down and look at salvation history, right? Israel as a nation failed often. Instead of choosing the God who loves them, they worshiped the creation and idolized those things such that God said, you know what? I'm going to let all peoples in on this good, strong city that I have. It is through God that we have access to the city. And it's through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross to save sinners that we have access to this salvation. Not because he deserved death. Not because he didn't deserve righteousness. But those who required righteousness to enter into the gate of the strong city needed a way. And it is pure grace, a gift of salvation offered to the righteous nation, the true Israel, through him who has the keys to the city. If you look at Revelations chapter 5, verses 9 through 10, people are asking, who, who has the keys? Who has the scroll? Who's worthy? Who's worthy? And guess who shows up? Yes, everybody say Jesus. Jesus shows up and is able to open the scroll. Amen. Glory to God. Verse 3 also points us to where we get our peace from. We get perfect peace or literally another double thing. Peace, peace. I love that again. It's like when you're, you're with your homeboys and you're like, yo, for real, for real? You mean we got that for real, for real? And it's like, yeah, peace, peace. Man. Because he, meaning you, trusts in you. How do you get this? A mind that has stayed on God. A mind that has stayed on God. I confess, one of my weakest disciplines is scripture memory. Man, I wish I was better at it. Me and Troy are getting it right now, though. Me and Troy, man, me and you are, you know, getting after it. It's awesome. But I want us to think about this verse a little bit differently. Verse 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. But this is more than just like an intellect thing. This is a whole way of being. And we're going to talk more about that in verse 8. But I just want you to get that before we keep going. That this theme that is going on right here is pointing us to something that's very valuable and important. That God empowers everything. And our responsibility is humility, trust, and faith. Verse 4 puts it more plainly. Trust God forever. This Lord... The Lord God, which, by the way, is Yahweh, a term of endearment. This Lord is being called an everlasting rock by the people who know and love him. The people of God should be the first, should be the first when things go cray cray to remind the world that we have a rock. 
We have a rock and his name is God, Yahweh, a God that we know. We can trust him. We can say personally, I trust him. Do you want to trust in him, too? Here's a question for you this week. Do you know this God? And if you know this God, are you building your foundation on him? See, Jesus puts it more plainly if you flip some more pages over to, I guess, the right. (laughs) In Matthew 7, as he ends the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus claiming that his way and his words are like a rock that you should build your whole life upon, says in verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and and great was the fall of it. Mm. Listen, if you are recognizing today as I speak these words that your house is getting beat up, Maybe that is not that you don't have faith. We have battles, right? These things going to come. We're going to talk more about that here in a little bit. But keep going. Your house will be standing at the end of it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Keep going. Your house will be standing at the end of it. But if these words of Jesus don't find a place in you, then you might want to repent, homie, which is my segue into the next verses. (laughs) Verses 5 through 6. Let's read them. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. And in verses 10 through 11, also read like this. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire from your, for, for your adversaries Consume them. What is Isaiah saying here? In verses five and six, what he's saying is that those who are the oppressors or on the side of the prideful arrogant are going to be laid to waste. In fact, part of the security offered to the strong city and the righteous who enter by faith is the destruction of this lofty city. Y'all do know we have enemies, right? The Christian move, though, is to love them. 
So that continuation of what Christ gave us is seen by us. And those who are enemies become friends. Mm. God takes no death in the death. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But as Isaiah points out in verse 10 and 11, even though God tries to save them from their idolatry, which is sin, and does these three ways, and I'm going to say them here in a second, the wicked still don't get it. Verse 10, you see, favor. Favor is shown to the wicked, but he still doesn't learn righteousness. Man, can you imagine that? God gives favor to you this whole time, and yet we still don't get righteousness. Sounds about right. Verse 11 says that even though God tries to get them to leave their idolatry, which is sin, and he, he, he lifts up his hand and says like, yo, Aki, I'm here. My, I have the way. And yet people still don't learn righteousness. The last way is that God gives a land, sometimes a season of fruitfulness and understanding. And yet sometimes the world still does not understand. The question then arises, in God's judgments of the world, can there be another way? Can there be another way? Can there ever be true peace if there are people who still war against the will of God? And unfortunately, the answer is no. Fortunately, the answer is no. There cannot be a world of peace where there are people who are still not submitted to the, world of, to the will of God. The fire cannot be subsided. The fire that is for the adversaries in verse 11 cannot be subsided from those people because if God justifies the sinner, then he's not a good God. If he justifies the wicked, he is an unjust God. This is not for play, right? Even Jesus in the garden, ask, can there be another way? Can there be another way? But not my will. Your will, God. And what was God's will? That God would crush Jesus so that salvation could come to sinners and that Romans 5, 8 and 5, 10 would be true. That while we were still enemies and sinners, Christ died for us Thanks be to God that Jesus was sent for us. There's a battle going on. The Lord will win. And his people's part in the battle is only to trample the death left by his victory. You guys see this in verse 6? Turn with me to verse 6. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. Guys, the people that are being talked about right there is us. 
It's the people of God. It's the poor and oppressed. The very people who are being trampled on are the very people who are going to walk in the trampled city. But it's not, it's not so that we can glory in that. No, not at all. Ours is not a city of power and arrogance, but instead of meekness. Instead of meekness. Matthew 5, 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit, inherit the earth. This is how the world would know that we are really his disciples and on his path of righteousness. Look with me at verses 7 through 9. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of my soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Verses 7 through 9 explains the way of the righteous and God's role in their walk. Remember earlier that we said it was more of a way of being? And you can see it more fully in these verses. The righteous are getting it. They're getting it. At the same time, the righteous are waiting on the Lord. They're also waiting to act. Doesn't that sound good? They're desiring the Lord. They're earnestly seeking the Lord. Doesn't that sound good? To desire the Lord, to seek the Lord. We often feel cold, but in reality, those who are on the path of righteousness are really those who are desiring the Lord. Has it felt cold recently in your walk, in your day-to-day living with God? Does it feel cold sometimes? But did you keep pressing in? Did you keep waiting? Did you keep desiring his name? Did you keep praying? Did you keep reading? To keep meditating, then you, my friend, are you the one that's in this verse desiring the Lord. You are that person. And how joyous is that? Here's a small side note. J.A. Martner, an Old Testament scholar, points out what these judgments could possibly mean in two ways. If you look at these verses are kind of, in the, the word judgments are kind of like two sides of the same coin. Matthew explains that judgments are either the law of God as obeyed by his people or moral disciplines of God as accepted and endured. Let me say that one more time. Judgments are either the law of God as obeyed by his people or moral disciplines of God as accepted and endured. Either way, This is a different way of thinking and being such that the righteous accepts God's discipline and ordering of life. This is a beautiful thing. Don't you want to accept God's way? Don't you want to accept his ordering of life? Yeah. 
Well, this is what the righteous does in these verses. They hold fast to him in expectation. They steadfastly keep his laws. But here's the kicker. This is where we're about to go. And I really hope this is driven home for some of us. That they know without a shadow of a doubt. They know that their path is God ordained. They are very God dependent. Which is why verse 12 is so glorious. Let's read it. Oh, Lord, you will ordain peace for us. For you have indeed done for us all our works. Family, this whole message has been talking about the righteous, how they enter the city, whose strong city it is, who keeps them. This is all about God. Everybody say all about God. Everybody say all about Jesus. And Isaiah has been pointing us to him. To see that if the people of the world, the unconverted, could see through us a beautiful picture of what it could mean to be a people of peace. See, if we are of such bad a state, how can we be saved? How does a righteous nation come to be? It is obvious that it's the same Lord who ordains these life experiences that we talked about in verses 8 through eight through 9, who ordains our entrance into the strong city. The peace that is necessary for entrance into the strong city was given to us through Jesus Christ. When you break down this verse, verse 12, it means that It means what it says, actually. God made peace our portion. All the works that are needed to overcome such wickedness in our heart and in our world is done by God. All of it is through God. God is going to heal every wound. God is going to fix every brokenness. Everything that we mentioned at the beginning of the sermon will be fixed by God. Peace will come through him. My question today for you is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that God is going to give you peace? Because God will. He ordains it so. So hold on by faith. The faithful are really entering in the gates, guys. You guys are entering in right now, the gates. And you will. We're waiting on Jesus' return. I know it's hard right now. Like I said, I I know some of you guys' stories. And uh, it's hard. It's very hard. It's not easy. We battle. We fight. But we shall overcome. And how are we going to do it? By the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. We will overcome because God is with us, who is worthy to take the scroll. The scroll. We will overcome because God is the strong city who we enter into through faith. 
through trust. And God gives that to us as well. Guys, we have seen it. When we look to Jesus, when we look to Jesus in a manger this coming weeks, what we see is a picture of the peace we so long for, the peace we hoped for, the peace that we needed. This Jesus has come, and this Jesus will come, and he will set everything right, and he will ordain peace forever. So trust in him forever. Amen? This is what makes this season so special, y'all. With that in mind, let's go to the Lord's table and pray. Father, the message is simple. The wicked don't inherit the kingdom. The righteous do. So, Lord, right now I pray for anybody that doesn't know you. Lord, that they would repent and give their life to you. Lord, they wouldn't play games, wouldn't leave here without doing so. But they would really, really give their heart to you. The message is also simple. That the strong city is where you dwell. And your people can enter in only through your terms. And Father, I pray that the strong city would protect your people from now and forever. And Lord, we would trust you. You are God that we know forever and ever. Lord, as we go to the Lord's table, Lord, may we eat of your body and drink of your blood and be reminded of the relationship we have and the sacrifice it took in order for us to gain that city. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.